Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Ball and Chain podcast, episode number 44. I am your host, Mark Thomas, uh, coming to you from Miami. Uh, the move is complete. Uh, now uh, enjoying our new WeWork in Brickle and my apartment in Brickle and uh, very, very happy being here. It's an exciting place uh, to be not only for technology and startups, but also uh, for gaming uh, and uh, cryptocurrencies, which we obviously, you know, have a big focus on uh, with Zen Sports. And uh, just overall, uh, very excited to be here um, and uh, definitely believe it is the future of a lot of uh, tech and, of course, uh, gaming as well and cryptocurrencies also. So uh, I'm in a good mood because of that. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm not always in a good mood, but uh, even better mood than normal. Uh, plus, uh, my Packers uh, took care of the Cardinals last Thursday uh, without like half of their starters on offense. <laughs> and uh, so that's good. Uh, my Bucks aren't off to a very good start, but just turned to uh, November 1st. So I'm not really too worried about that right now. Uh, so uh, with that out of the way, uh, I'm excited to welcome our next guest here onto the Ball and Chain podcast. It is Chris Adams uh, from SharpRank. How are you today, Chris? Hey, Mark. Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, I'm really interested to talk to you today uh, because I think this is a, a very interesting topic for a lot of folks within the sports betting and gaming space and uh and that is uh sharps and sharp play uh and sharp action uh which you obviously have a, a product in uh with sharp rank and so just kind of everything to do with sharps i think is going to be a very interesting topic for our audience uh we do have a few sharps that listen to this uh and we have a lot of aspiring sharps uh so um and for those that don't you know know what sharps are sharps are those that uh you know uh uh, potentially have an advantage um, over traditional books with their play um, or are able to uh, be professional sports bettors, uh, et cetera. And so I think it's pretty interesting uh, some of the things that you're working on. So why don't we start with that? Why don't we first start with what is Sharp Rank? What does your product do? Absolutely. Great place to start. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we are the industry's independent ratings agency. Uh, and the, the concept really stemmed from driving home from the beach with one of my partners uh, about a year and a half ago and hearing a commercial with somebody who came on and I guess bought airtime and uh, took, that, took that opportunity to say, oh, I'm Johnny Big Bags and I'm a thousand and one against the spread. And if you call, you're guaranteed to win money. And this, that, and the other thing. And uh, my, my background is in investment banking. Uh, and, and I was sitting there listening to that infomercial and thinking, I couldn't do any component of what this person's doing publicly on the radio right now. I couldn't, I couldn't make claims that were seemingly statistically impossible. Uh, I could not guarantee people money. Uh, and I certainly couldn't do it in a public forum. So uh, with, a, with a record of it. <laughs> so uh, I started, my partner and I started thinking about, okay, well, I'm sure there's some sort of oversight here. There has to be. Uh, the, uh, the equivalent of what we do exists in every market, whether that's Morningstar or uh, Carfax, all the way down to Princeton Review. Uh, there is always that independent oversight. 
that uh, that allows the market to expand responsibly. You can still grow very fast as an industry, um, but we are we're we're here to provide some sort of level of uh, checks and balances in the market uh, to provide a, a smoother growth path for the total addressable market for sports books uh, and and sports betting in general. So uh, that is that is the very tall building elevator pitch. I know we're going to get into a little bit more about what we do, but uh, if I was to sum it up in one, one phrase, we are sports betting's uh, independent ratings agency. So, yeah. So the next logical question after that is, is the product geared towards sports books to help them identify sharp play uh, and sharp betters within their platforms, or is it to help people, uh, consumers and patrons get better at betting on sports or both? It's a little bit of both. So we have a direct to consumer platform, which is our mobile app. Uh, which is where the consumer can find validated sources of information. We're not out there picking fights with, you know, the people who might be really good at marketing and sales and maybe not sports betting. We're not out there picking a fight with those people. They, you know, they, they have their own, their own path. And, um, you know, what, what we can provide to the consumer is a verified source of information, much like a photo and a photo negative. Uh, the consumer can make their own uh, designation to what it, mean, what it means to not be listed uh, on our platform, much like a, a fund that doesn't have a Morningstar rating. Uh, so that, that's the direct-to-consumer type of uh, platform or side of our house. And then we are also a have pretty heavily focused on our B2B side of things, which is enhancing uh, the product of media companies, sports books, uh, anybody in the industry. We, we really view ourselves as servicing a market, uh, picks and shovels rather than some people, somebody called us the warehouse where the picks and shovels live, uh, where the inventory lives. And we kind of like that. So um, that's, that's, uh, those are kind of the two sides of the house. And, you know, when, when, when we say sharp in our world, uh, that could mean the definition that you gave, um, that could also mean a personality who is out there publicly, be it TV, social media, radio, wherever, whatever medium they choose to use to be an expert at what they do, uh, all of that, it could be a predictive machine. Uh, all of that falls under our classification of a sharp. If, Got uh, it. If Got it. So it, it doesn't have to just necessarily mean professional sports bettors or those that have an edge. No, not, not necessarily. Now there are plenty of them who, who use us as a, as a, um, you know, really similar to like a blue check mark on Twitter, right? Like there, there is a sense of, hey, I'm not associated with those snake oil salesmen out in the market. I am, I am good, bad, or indifferent. I've always been very honest and transparent about what I'm doing here. Mm. And this allows me a platform to stand next to some of the other, uh, you know, rubber stamp big companies in the industry that, you know, the Gannettes and Sports Illustrateds and Champion Gamings and Football Outsiders of the world, all, all those folks that were the ratings provider for, uh, it allows somebody who 
might not have the biggest following yet, but we take a look at and say, hey, we like what you do. Um, we'd like to begin coverage on you and kind of go through the process of making sure that you can follow certain guidelines and, and things like and things like that to make make you uh, a rated rated expert or a rated sharp on our platform. So is one of the reasons that uh, well or let me ask you this way um, if someone is a sharp better and is giving picks, um, would they keep their bets with traditional sports books pretty low to kind of fly under the radar and not have to worry about like running into getting banned or anything like that so that they can basically keep officially making picks, um, uh, you know, under their own money and, you know, honestly telling the truth that they bet money on it. Um, and then being on your platform, because otherwise I would think if someone's a pretty big better, um, and, uh, you know, they do it for a living, um, that they're probably not going to want to publicize all of their, uh, you know, uh, their bets and their picks. Um, I've always found that to be a little uh, strange because usually, uh, you know, if if you are publicizing yourself, you're much more likely to get banned or limited. So how does that kind of all intertwine with people, with betters that are actually out there trying to do professionally for a living, trying to avoid getting banned, but also using your platform? That's a great, that's a great question. And, and one of the key hurdles when we were first starting this company that, that, you know, there was a couple of them. One, if you've never received an independent report card, why let us into the market, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, followed immediately by, well, what, what's the reality of us getting the true top 20 betters in the world? Right. Like what's what's the reality of that? And 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 the reality is that that's probably those people, not only do they not want to publicize their picks, to your point, they don't want their name, their face. They don't want any sort of attention drawn their way. Um, Now that that there's that tier of folks and there's largely, you know, because for most people, sports betting can can be a very difficult proposition. So the, the, that high level of uh, that high level of skilled player is a very small subset of the people that we work with and, and we, we put on our platform. Uh, There are, aside from that, you know, those, those folks, there are some incredibly intelligent people doing, doing this for a living. And, and that's, that's one of the things that, it's it it excites me so much about this industry is what you're what we're seeing is the most intelligent people the the smartest minds from everywhere else flooding into sports betting uh, because it's so new and no ceiling has been set uh, and the possibilities are endless right like the 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 one 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 really important thing that I think is totally applicable to to what you guys do and talk about here is there are a lot of similarities between sports betting and cannabis. Uh, There is one monumental difference, and that is that sports betting inherently has characteristics to become an asset class, 
and, and like it has all the risk thresholds it has all the different types of vehicles that you could do it through and it's already built into the infrastructure of that market and and you're starting to see the the early seeds of that type of movement coming for the market and and like things like that are just so exciting to watch and and watch evolve and grow up and have some of the what i think most intelligent and smartest critical thinkers bringing innovative thought from other areas of the world into sports betting yeah, I think that's really interesting. And especially as, you know, I guess platforms like Zen Sports, uh, which has a peer to peer component um, and uh, offers the ability, you know, to bet against others. Uh, and obviously with DFS, you get the same thing uh, from a, uh, a daily fantasy perspective. Um, you know, it's obviously very clear, you know, that people are recognizing the skill that goes into it, the analytics that go into it. Um, the ability to use, um, you know, your mind uh, on it, uh, much like any other type of skill, like trading stocks or, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really interesting. I think the only thing that really was ever getting in the way until recently was the fact that it was not legal, except in Nevada. Right. And so obviously with PASPA being repealed in 2018, um, you know, that really, really opened the floodgates uh, up to, uh, you know, that type of thinking, because it's interesting because, uh, you know, U.S. is very is a very law abiding, you know, country. And so, you know, even if people really want to do something, if it's illegal, they'll you know not do it. But then once it is, if it's something they want and there's demand for it um, and, you know, it's now legal. Now everyone's rushing into it, uh, which is great to see. I mean, it should have been probably legalized a long time ago. Uh, we probably need to get rid of the Wire Act, which I've had conversations with prior podcast guests on. Uh, but all, all the trends are moving in the right direction with regards to this in terms of, uh, you know, uh, you know, widespread adoption and continued adoption, uh, across a lot of different, uh, you know, demographics and sectors and, uh, and of course states. Uh, so that's really like the stigma of, you know, uh, back alley transaction, you know, for sports betting is gone. Um, and now it's looked at as, uh, not only a form of entertainment, but also a potential form of skill. Uh, which is, which is, which is really cool. So um, that may, and it makes sense what you said, right? That, you know, some sharps for whatever reason, um, <clears throat> maybe they have limited cash flow. Maybe they, um, you know, just prefer the business side of things. Uh, maybe they don't have, uh, you know, the time or the, or maybe they're in a state where it's not even legal, uh, you know, to, to bet <clears throat> for whatever reason, they may just want to, um, you know, provide that information paid or free uh, to, you know, their, to their network. Uh, and so I could definitely see that group, you know, utilizing a platform. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. I, I think that's great. So just kind of curious to delve within, you know, the, the sharp, you know, kind of, uh, community, um, are there specific sports, uh, especially here in the U S that you see them gravitating towards? Is it football, football, football? Uh, do you see a pretty good cross section of betting on other sports? What is that, um, you know, what is, the, what are the sport demographics look like in terms of what people are, what the sharps are betting on? I, I think it's, I think it's a, that's a really interesting question. Cause it's, 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 you can look at it through a lot of lenses, right? The merging of media with sports betting has, uh, kind of unlocked the, the content analyst or the sharp 
for football because that's what the eyes are on. Right. And like, and so betting data is a really great indicator of what media outlets should talk about and write about. And, and it's, it's a great, great way. And like a very simplistic way to understand what the public's interested in Uh, from a betting perspective on the perspective on the public side. Yeah. You're, you're looking at just a different level of animal when you're talking about football in this country versus everything else. Um, Now, from a sharp perspective and people who do this maybe a little bit more professionally, I think they will be the first to tell you that because so much attention is paid to football, uh, there might be some softer edges and some softer lines uh, where the information edge is not quite as tightly adjusted in the lines with different news popping up um, and different injuries or whatever the case might be, you might be able to find, uh, you know, I, I, I talk to folks a lot and oddly enough, uh, maybe out of necessity or what, but a lot of folks really took to Korean baseball for some reason they had, like, they, they just used, really? yeah, they, they used whatever models they were using and, you know, triage them down and, because last year, like sports had kind of taken a halt to some extent in this country, they were looking for other areas or other avenues to, to apply a skill set. They found something that worked and they've since stuck with it. So it's, you know, it's, I think, I think sharp betters look for advantageous opportunities, regardless of, uh, which, you know, which sport that necessarily falls under. Um, But because of those merging of industries, because of the publics in this country, again, overwhelming want for football at college and NFL levels, it's just become so pervasive that it, it is, it's, it's just a beast of a different level. So um, yeah, I think, I think you see a ton of football, um, and and then at on a sharp level it's a little bit more evenly dispersed i would say yeah we've had a couple of people on the pod that uh are baseball betters um and they've you know they've got their models going and they they just feel more comfortable with that um and others that you know just do over under with any with the nba <laughs> and stuff like that so it's pretty interesting to see uh you know and people just tend to find their groove and um get good at one or the other uh you know sports uh, and then, you know, go from there. So then let's say you have kind of a, uh, a sharp in training or a sharp in waiting in terms of somebody who's pretty good at betting on sports, but maybe they are only, I don't know, picking 51 or 52% against spread to, to kind of break even. Um, what do you recommend? I mean, is it just start using sharp rank and, and, and they can become <laughs> a sharp themselves or how do you recommend that they get to that, that next level? Yeah, no, that's a, so I guess I'll answer that. So from our, from our angle, we're, we're, we're positioning ourselves and we, we, based on the partnerships we have, we, we really are trying to be and are that market institution. So we will keep an eye on a lot of people and watch how they interact publicly. Uh, the, the skill side of things 
is uh, almost secondary to how they interact publicly. Are they largely transparent? Are they, you know, we, there, there is, there is a level of oversight that goes into our process that's required for somebody to be listed on our platform. Uh, there has to be, right? Or, or otherwise, we're just a, a platform that tracks picks, which isn't a business model at all, right? And so we, so when we, when we keep an eye on somebody, we we will start by being kind of that uh, lion in the tall grass to some extent, and uh, just kind of keep an eye on folks, and then. Uh, usually we will reach out to them and say, Hey, uh, we've been kind of keeping an eye on you. Uh, we have an, in, we have an internal meeting. We've decided, uh, we want to begin coverage on you or your platform or your network or whatever the case might be. And we get into a deeper conversation. Now, from a public standpoint, uh, we have folks who use our app in a way to compete against their friends or as a mesh point to see how they stack up against some of these experts, some of these sharps. Um, and we have opportunities if somebody from a skill standpoint uh, is, you know, really good and begins to build a following and, and starts to think, hey, maybe I want to do this for a living, whether it's actually betting or um, potentially creating some content around it and, and doing that or both. We have conversations with them really similar to English Premier League uh, promotion and delegation type type style where, you know, you, you the public has an opportunity if, if they are continuously good. Um, now, fortunately, we have a very, very smart and very, very uh, comprehensive algorithm, a proprietary algorithm for ranking people. Um, it is not good for uh, predicting game outcomes. It is not AI, it is not machine learning, although it has the ability to get there. I, I cannot stand the overuse of those two terms. I don't know if you're... <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that. <laughs> well, yeah, in the tech world, that's, I mean, it's, uh, uh, yeah, definitely name dropping those are, uh, especially oh. like when you're fundraising and stuff, right? You gotta, you gotta say, yeah, yeah we're using machine learning, we're using AI. Um, I've, had, yeah, I think I've had somebody uh, in a, in a pitch, um, and this is before I came over and, and started Sharp Rank, but uh, I had an MD in investment banking who, uh, knew machine learning well and uh we saw a pitch deck from a company who was trying to help get us to help them sell them and he he dug into it and i was watching the these poor folks just unravel in front of him it's just like, oh yeah it was bad, it was bad. so <laughs> I've, I've always been very very truthful about it's a very smart algorithm and it's near uh live updating 
uh, or is live updating, but uh, it, it's it's very, very, very intelligent. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I saw on Twitter that you did an interview with Jim Cramer uh, earlier, I think it was January, um, yeah. about transparency in sports gambling and going back to, you know, what we were saying a few minutes ago about how the explosion of sports betting is just becoming much, much more uh, widespread, more mainstream. So what was that like talking, you know, with him, obviously very notable, you know, investor and, and, and media and TV personality uh, about this? Because you would think of him as being more conservative um, or more traditional. Um, and the fact that he's like starting to get his beak wet in uh, sports betting um, has got to be pretty, pretty awesome, right? So what was, what was that experience like? Oh, it was, it was great. I, he's, him and his his uh, his co-host Bill uh, Enright, uh, both both of them total pros, and both of them uh, for occasionally we will have to or I will have to explain what we do and why what we do is important, and we'll get into what I talked about with the asset class, and then say you know something to the extent of. Without us, uh, there's just a bunch of mortgage lenders writing mortgages with their eyes closed without any oversight, or you know, there's valuations in a dot-com bubble, you know, and and so we we put a fence around it. But but those two guys, like, and this was January, so this, uh, you know, 10, 10 months ago, mm-hmm. they got it like instantly. There, you know, it was like, yeah, of course you would have to exist. It, that it, it, like it's going to be necessary for your value proposition in the market to exist in order for the market to grow at a fast and efficient rate. Otherwise there will constantly be uh, blowback and you know, the total addressable market won't expand to what it could because the casual better who takes advice from somebody who's not vetted through sharp rank and gets burned and, and, and they will never come back to sports betting. That will be the, the only time they do. Um, so, you know, they, he, he was, he was a total pro bill was a total pro. Uh, they, they just, they got it immediately, which was for me, like, an incredible experience, you know, like, right. You always think like, yeah, I, I think this is a really cool concept, but uh, to have someone, you know, that, that uh, intelligent and, and that smart bill and, and Jim alike to, to kind of say, this is a really great concept. This is a really great idea. Um, it was, it was right before that, that I, you know, my, my, my parents basically told me like, Hey, do one or the other, or you're going to fail at both. And I, I walked away from, from a really nice paying investment banking job about two weeks before our first kid was born. So nice. um, fair, fairly polarizing, depending on who you ask on which side of the family. But um, that was a really nice, like uh, stamp of reassurance there for sure. Well, I want to come back to the entrepreneurship part here in uh, a minute, but one last question on, uh, you know, like the conversation, like with Jim and others, is it one of those things where even if maybe some people uh, that are, for example, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, financial advisors or investment bankers or those that are just more, or even government officials, those that are more conservative, if they, if they kind of go, maybe the genie's out of the bottle, um, that Pandora box has already been opened. There's no way we're going to, 
you know, remake sports betting illegal. It's here to stay. You know, why not create some standards around it? And maybe that's why they start to embrace it. Like maybe, maybe they just, and, and I don't know, I, uh, you know, specifically about Jim or, or whatnot, but, you know, just in general, do you maybe see those that are apprehensive that we have legalized sports betting go, Hey, you know what? This is no, I'm not going to win that battle at this point, trying to, you know, uh, you know, remake it illegal. The Supreme Court's already ruled on it, but it can't be. Um, you know, why don't we create some standards around this and maybe a product like Sharp Rank is the is a way to do that? Yeah, that that's exactly right. And pe- people uh, have constantly said, like, are, does that keep you up at night? And I was like, not at all. That reinforces our market position. <laughs> like, that's a, that's a gr- that's a great uh, opportunity for us to to be a part of. So yeah, I I do think you know, and that's that's one one way for us to kind of approach this is, um, you know, say, hey, we'd maybe, you know, maybe a a state who is hesitant uh, or certain areas of the country who might be hesitant, let us help kind of facilitate the responsible gaming aspect of it and help us help us weed out or help us help you weed out the information that is coming from unreliable sources of information. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a really strong uh, argument for us to, to use. And then, you know, the early adopters of this thing, they get to use, use what we provide them, the tools, the, the transparency weapons, the sharp card, we have a tear sheet, which looks like an equity report on each analyst. They get to use that ahead of competitors, um, which, you know, you're either going to be right on top of a wave or, or you're going to be at the bottom uh, letting it crash on your head. And, and that's kind of how we see that this market playing out is that it's going to go, you're, you're going you're gonna to sit in one of two camps. And um, we've seen just based on our adoption with some of these bigger players, where a lot of people think this market's headed. Um, and so we're, we're super excited about it. Uh, we, we obviously want to continue growing and uh, becoming a, a source of good and, and source of responsible betting, but, but also help this market grow in ways that it couldn't without our existence. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I guess one more question before we get to the entrepreneurship part and, and where sure. and where your you know your entrepreneurial journey. Um, so it looks like you've signed a lot of partnerships um, or gotten a lot of partnerships um, on the B two B and enterprise side. I mean, just looking at the logos on your website, you've got BetMGM, Sports Illustrated, Betway, USA Today, Fubo, um, etc. So is this the B2B component that you talked about before where they're paying for that data on kind of sharps within the industry? Um, are these other types of partnerships? Can you delve a little bit more into like, what does this entail if you go and strike a deal with BetMGM, for example? Sure. So, so on the bet, on the sports book side, at least currently that, that, that type of partnership is a, an affiliate licensed partnership. Um, now okay. we are, uh, it'd be, uh, it'd be interesting with my choice of words here. So sure, bear, no problem. bear with me, but we, we, there are, um, discussions we are having with certain sports books about 
using our ratings and our sharp cards and those tear sheets to enhance the profiles of, uh, you know, you pick whatever line above which sits a premium consumer. Um, because we, we can enhance those profiles, but more so than that, we can help facilitate individualized sales funnels for them. Um, what's more appealing to Mark? Hey, here's a thousand dollars of risk-free cash, or uh, we know Mark likes the uh, Packers. We know he likes overs. We know he follows these sorts of uh, experts and sharps and those sorts of things. And, uh, you know, his betting tendencies match up with some of the metrics that we follow with these types of experts and, and these types of uh, experts betting on certain things. And, and so there's attribute matching there and creating a more sticky consumer for the sports books is kind of how we create contracts on that side. Um, now, from a media perspective, uh, we operate in kind of a tiered approach. We begin coverage. Uh, and then our goal is to enhance their product. You know, you can create marketing materials similar to hearing all of our, all of T Rose funds are four and five star rated on Morningstar. And very similar, like all of Sports Illustrated college, uh, college football analysts are four and five star rated on SharpRank and creating marketing materials, creating, um, enhanced profiles for their writers to uh, kind of become more, have more behind the personality in the content. So not only is this person engaging, smart and funny, here is the tear sheet on that person and what they really look like uh, behind, behind the skin, you know, and, and how they stack up relative to their peers, not just at their outlet, but across all the outlets. So what is their closing line value to ROI correlation? Where, what, what does that sit in a, you know, where does that sit relative to their peers? Um, what sort of risk assumption do they take? All those sorts of things. So we're, we're really aiming at enhancing the platforms of other folks. Uh, you know, Mark, a peer-to-peer -peer betting platform is a perfect example, right? Like, I, sh I should know that the person I'm communicating with is not an, a, a IBM Watson, right? <laughs> right? Like, and so our platform like validates that, right? And mm -hmm. says like, okay, this is an independent third party telling me that, yeah, this person's 10 and 0 when they pick the bills, but overall they're a, you know, a four-star expert or, or an amateur gold or silver, um, or whatever the case might be. So it, 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 it should facilitate more and more openness to those types of interactions. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so cool. So let's talk about just kind of some of your entrepreneurial journey. Um, I think it's, you know, I mean, all, all startup entrepreneurs, uh, tend to go through a variation of, of a little bit of what you touched on before, where you're, you know, generally giving up a, a nice cushy job, um, maybe possibly, uh, many months of income. I personally, uh, for Zen Sports, I went the first 50 yes, five, zero months 
of the company's life without a paycheck uh, before I finally started taking a small one last December uh, of 2020. And, uh, you know, definitely left a nice job, uh, you know, to do so. Uh, and so, you know, you just mentioned that you, you know, left obviously a great job within investment banking. You're having, you know, your family's having a, a new newborn. Um, so walk me through what it was like you know, uh, working investment banking and either waking up one day and saying, Hey, I want to get into sports betting, or maybe you had always been doing sports betting. And you're like, now I want to try and make this a career. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, like how you eventually decided to take the plunge, uh, make it official and, uh, and start sharpening. Yeah. Uh, great question, because this is a question I ask a lot of people as well. Cause I I'm just, I'm fascinated by it. Right. Nobody's Nobody's very few people in this industry's path to sports betting has been a linear organic growth, right? Most people have had to come from other places because of how quickly it's expanding. And so um, my, my story, I, out, of, out of college, I, I started doing uh, working at a company that did M&A for professional and semi-professional sports franchises. So selling... Um, uh, you know, helping, helping facilitate sales of uh, uh, English Premier League teams or um, uh, NBA shares of, of NBA franchise shares, like, et cetera. Uh, from there, I, I went to be an auditor at a big four accounting firm for three and a half years and then uh, went into investment banking um, went down to get my MBA uh, at UVA and then came back to investment banking in tech, data, uh, and cyber companies mostly. Uh, and so if, if, if you were, if, if I was to really take like all the greatest qualities of those professional experiences and put them all together, uh, I, I, I would be sitting in the seat that that role is, right? It is, it is, it, I, I, we, we've basically created a company uh, that, you know, we're, we're a big believer in sharpening strengths and delegating weaknesses. Um, and I, I was fortunate to be able to help create something that really is something I am passionate about. So yeah, I, I left, um, it had been nagging me for, I, I worked uh, investment banking and uh, trying to get this thing off the ground for about a year um, until my, my, my parents who were both entrepreneurs as well. That was my daycare um, growing up at a job site in the dirt. Um, and so when I was, when I was a kid and so uh, they were very, very supportive uh, I would say my wife's support has been unbelievable and I do not know how I would, how any of this is possible. I, I think she's probably one of one who wishes her husband was back in investment banking because of the hours. Um, but, but, it, what, uh, what does that say? When uh, entrepreneurs say that it's more hours doing a startup than what investment bankers have to do. <laughs> yeah. Because usually investment banking is notorious for extremely long hours. I know it, it is. It's crazy. And the thing about it is 
and <laughs> I was telling somebody this the other day because I caught myself doing it, but like the last thing my my wife wants to see when I get home after like 16, 18 hours in the office is a smile. But like, I'm so satisfied with the work I get to do that I don't even notice the hours. I mean, yeah, I, I really enjoyed investment banking. I got to work with some very smart people. Um, I liked being surrounded by people who are super driven um, and goal oriented and things of that nature. Um, but there were times, you know, and I think most investment bankers will tell you this, like there were times where you're like, oh my God, if, if I do not get out of this office in the next two minutes, I'm going to, I'm going to go out the window. And I've, I've never, ever felt that about this, this job. And I, I, I work, I easily work more hours, uh, doing this. Yeah. And I've said it a few times before, I think uh, a couple of different episodes in this pod, but, uh, you know, I always have said that the, um, worst days at a startup are still better than the best days you know, um, you know, working for a really large company. Now, there are exceptions to that, of course. Um, I think, like, for example, like, if your company gets acquired, uh, and you get to still continue on the mission, but you're within a bigger company, uh, you know, as part of that, that can still be pretty exciting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's different. But if it's just a regular job that is, you know, no affinity necessarily to your long term or personal aspirations that you have, and it's just purely there for you're purely there for a paycheck, then that doesn't really make any sense. Right. Um, and so, uh, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And I think it's really important that, you know, that people that are maybe on the fence about taking that plunge, um, you know, just, uh, I, I always just say, go for it. I mean, what's the worst that happens? You're back in the same situation, you know, in nine, 12 months that you're in right now. Okay. No big deal. You can always go get another job. Uh, you know, job market's hot. Uh, even if it slows down a little bit, it's not going to completely crater off the you know face of the earth uh, for anybody that is savvy and smart enough to go, you know, do a startup and be an entrepreneur, be a co-founder. You're clearly going to have the smarts and the brains to be able to, you know, go out and get a job somewhere else. If you really kind of fall flat on your face. And by the way, falling flat on your face is pretty normal in the first, you know, company. I mean, I, I've been in tech for 13 years. My first two companies went nowhere um, before my third company had a kind of smallish exit. Uh, now, obviously, we hope for, uh, you know, big things with Zen Sports, but every com- every startup I've done is done better than the last one uh, in terms of the outcome. And so, you know, every single time you learn something uh, or you learn a lot, uh, which then helps you on the next one. So uh, it's a journey. It's a process. Um, you know, so I think uh, I think you're on the right path. I mean, the hardest part is just, you know, taking that initial plunge to go for it. So for everyone out there who's listening to the Ball and Chain podcast, if it's been your dream to go start something, here it is to go and do it. Uh, I'm here. And so is Chris to tell you uh, to go follow your dreams and to go uh, start something. Uh, so a couple of the things I just wanted to, you know, kind of touch on uh, here. So uh, can, I, it, can I just really quickly reiterate that? Because yeah. I, I just I I'm a, I am such a strong believer in what you just said. I, I get calls from people um, who I know who uh, once a month, like, Hey, you know, hey, I got this business idea, and um, uh, it's, it's this great opportunity, and blah blah blah. And um, I got to a point with some of them where I was like, "Until you do something, stop calling me," because like because right. I, I am just so it, the only 
Yes, we had a very smart idea, Mark. You you have a great platform. You had a very smart idea. The difference between us and somebody who hasn't started something yet is literally just starting something. <laughs> it's it's literally just taking the action and like I always think of it as like that scene in Indiana Jones where he's got to just take that step and just assume that there's going to be footing when he's mm-hmm. over that huge cavern. Oh, that's a like, great analogy. Love that movie too, by the way. Just go, just do it. And, and Mark's exactly right. Like if you like, you can always trade it in for your misery, right? Like if you're, if you're miserable now and, and you're not actively trying to do that, then what's like, what's the worst that could happen here? And, and I, I just, I'm such a big believer in that because it, it changed my perspective on life. Uh, I, I no longer looked at challenges uh, as challenges. I saw them as opportunities because I didn't, I didn't have a choice, right? I, there, there was no choice. You could, I, I couldn't view them as like, oh, well, I guess, I guess that's just the way it is. It, it, it's so mentally engaging and expanding to start something. So yes, please uh, jump. It, I mean, don't, you know, come back at me with a terrible attitude if it doesn't work out, but, but jump, please. It is it, the, the world needs people who take that leap of faith. Yeah. Mark's sister, one of the top uh, VCs out there has always had a saying for quite a long time, JFDI just fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it goes for everything in life too, not just starting a startup, but everything, right? Um, you know, if it's, uh, you know, you're on the fence about, you know, hiring somebody, you know, just, just do it. You know, if you yeah. feel like, you know, uh, they're a good fit, if you're on the fence about possibly leaving your job to go start something, just do it. Right. Uh, and I think so many times it's the paralysis by analysis situation where people just way, way, way overthink it. And I'm not saying certain things shouldn't uh, require some more thought because certainly they should. But when you get to the point where you can't stop second guessing yourself and you end up doing nothing, um, usually you end up in a, you know, a worse spot because you're almost between two choices and that ends up being, you know, worse. So I think that's, uh, I think that's the lesson for the day for everyone in the podcast JFDI, just fucking do it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so tell me about this campus captain program. We're going to wrap up with this. Um, so you recently launched this camp- campus captain program. Um, tell our audience what it is. Cause I have absolutely zero idea. Sure. Yeah. No, no problem. So a lot of, a lot of people will uh, probably view this as some sort of a brand ambassador program. Um, we view it as uh, an opportunity for kids at universities, at schools to build their own business um, to, you know, they have a compensation structure that pays them in either cash or their cho- choice of cryptocurrency. And through doing that, they can, they can do whatever they want uh, to uh, get out there, get friends on the platform. Uh, we're, we're at like 35, 35 campuses across the country. And, um, you know, that, that I, I think what's been really interesting, we have one kid, uh, one of the first kids who, who we interviewed and came on board, uh, he's crushing it and he graduates in May and he's put me in a position where I have to consider 
bringing him on full time. Like he he's that good. He's that talented. And so uh, it, it's it's really an opportunity if you're interested as a as a campus as somebody on campus at, at a university. Um, getting into sports is difficult. Getting into sports betting is difficult. It, it's a great way to put something in your resume that says with tangible results can say, I basically ran a sales team on my own. I basically created a business uh, and, and used, used creative thinking and creative concepts to get, um, you know, so, so much traffic and, and so many app downloads. And here's, here's the proof. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really been a really, uh, really great program for us. We, we've identified just some super, super talented kids and, uh, it, it's just been, it's been fascinating. Nice. Nice. And it says that you also, uh, compensate, uh, in the form of crypto. Is that just for the campus captain program or is it also for your regular employees and or contractors that you have? Oh boy. I sure hope none of my employees hear this. Uh, no, that is, <laughs> that's, that is, that is just for campus. Captains. Why can't they hear it? What's wrong no, it's, just, it's just for campus captains for okay. the time being. Um, why your employees don't want to get paid in crypto. Is that why? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, and for us, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, we found, uh, a platform that helps us with it to, to mitigate the, us holding the risk on the balance sheet type stuff. So um, for us, it's, it's, it's more of, I don't know, I've been a big fan of uh, behavioral economics and like psychological, my, my study was game theory. Um, and so seeing like, Hey, do, do these kids, do these, do these students, actually take assume the risk that's offered to them uh or is that just a marketing tactic to get them to apply but when push comes to shove they'll take the cash um and, and it's just been really interesting to follow like who who's doing what i mean they can use a mix right they can say i want x and x percent in cash and x in this cryptocurrency etc um, but it's been really interesting for me because I, I like to keep try to the best of my ability, keep a pulse on that, that group of kids, because at that age and over the next five, six, seven, eight years, they move squarely into our target demographic. Um, and so if that, if that interest is super high on cryptocurrency, uh, we find other ways to incorporate it in what we're doing. And there's a million use cases with what we do, how we service the market and how uh, those types of uh, currencies or tokens could be, could be used. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really, really, really fascinating for, for me to watch. Well, and look, I mean, you know, you probably saw that Sacramento Kings, what was it last year or earlier this year, <clears throat> said that they're going to be offering the ability to pay in, uh, you know, salaries of players or, or even anybody uh, on the team, uh, on the team's payroll can get paid now in crypto. Um, I think the Panthers might also be doing it too. Um, and obviously other, you know, 
platforms and products like Kraken, you know, which is a trading platform for crypto. Uh, they offer the ability to get paid uh, in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So it's not that unusual. And, you know, with the right legal agreements and structures, you know, those those can be risks assist, uh, borne by the employees if they so choose. Um, and, you know, I mean, being a startup is the time to do it, right? So, you know, uh, if you're Coca-Cola, uh, sorry to pick on Coca-Cola, but uh, you're probably not going to be offering that because you just don't want to muddy in those waters. But, you know, if you're in the cutting edge of, of technology and you deal in crypto like we do, um, you know, it's just part of your company's DNA, right? And so um, in that case, we we have not yet offered uh, the ability to get paid in crypto just from an administrative standpoint. I've got enough on my plate. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need simplicity in pressing a couple buttons to run payroll. Um, but uh, but as we grow and get a little bit more uh, <clears throat> infrastructure on the, on the HR side, uh, we would definitely like to be able to offer that option too. Uh, we have offered bonuses in our sports tokens from time to time uh, to employees and contractors, um, you know, uh, as a form of currency. Um, that's, so I think very, that's, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a, uh, it's a good way to eat your own dog food. Um, I'm a cat person, so I guess you don't cat food, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I definitely, um, you know, I definitely, uh, I, I see that being part of the future, especially stable coins, right. To, yeah. um, you know, being able to, you know, have direct deposits on stable coins as I'm sure coming in the next three to five years. Um, so yeah, all very, very cool stuff. Well, listen, Chris, uh, we're almost out of time here. Uh, you've been awesome guests, super interesting what you're building. Uh, uh, really love it. Uh, I think our listeners are going to love hearing, you know, uh, your story and the story of Sharp Rank. Um, how can people go check you out on social or online? Yeah, we're, uh, we're live in both app stores. So if, if you are uh, interested in checking out the platform in a, in a, in a mobile app fashion, we're on both, both of theirs. Both, both of those uh, stores. And then um, uh, sharprank.com is the website, which uh, is just a holding page while we continue to finalize a few tweaks behind it. Um, and then from there on social, I think it's uh, at sharprank or at sharp underscore rank. Um, I try very hard to keep myself off of social media as much as possible. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I saw you weren't on Twitter. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, up until, so up until starting, um, starting SharpRank, I hadn't had social media uh, for 10, 10 years or something. Um, just not something I did. Um, and uh, this has forced me back into it a, a little bit. And I, I understand the power of it and, and how, how helpful it can be. But sometimes I, I catch myself going down a rabbit hole and I immediately I'm like, see, that's why that's why you got out of here in the first place. But um, yeah, and Twitter's the worst for that. I mean, I love LinkedIn, actually. Uh, believe it or not, I think LinkedIn's the best social networking, best social media platform out there because um, you've got real profiles, um, people... 99.9% of the time, keep it professional. Um, I've almost never had to block anybody on LinkedIn. I think maybe two or three people ever over what, 13, 14 years. Um, I mean, I've blocked that many people in two minutes on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it's uh, <clears throat> two totally different places. Uh, look, I mean, the way I look at social, just real quickly on this, and then we'll uh, we'll adjourn here. I look at each social media platform as having an advantage and disadvantage. It just depends on what you want. So like Twitter, the advantage is you get quick, fast, real-time news on anything happening 
in real time, especially like sports. I love that, right? Yep. Um, the downside is you get the bottom of the barrel and anonymous accounts that just troll. Um, and so you got to be really good at blocking, muting, all that kind of stuff. You got to be very proactive, if you will. Um, LinkedIn, maybe you probably don't get quite so good juicy news or anything like that, but you know, um, you get people who are very professional. It's great as a directory uh, and finding people and reaching out to them, keeping track of company, you know, goings on uh, and, and people goings on and Facebook, I use for photos and I'm not on Instagram. So uh, yeah. and I'm not on TikTok. So that's kind of how I, I look at it. But um but yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, um, you know, you got to be careful, but uh, totally understand that uh, that point of view. That's yeah, that's that's definitely where we we see our biggest following and where we're probably the most active is on LinkedIn, just because it's a we're a market institution. And so there there has to be a place for that on LinkedIn. And I think people really respond well to it because it's so different than what they've seen uh, in, in their news feeds over the past prior to, um, you know, sports betting getting repealed. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's for us. We're, I think that's probably where if I had to choose one, that's probably where I would spend, spend most of my time. Yeah. Love it. I, I, I love LinkedIn and yeah. uh, I know a lot of people may not care that much about it, but it's a great product. So enough on the social media. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. You were really a great guest, uh, very insightful, um, you know, really great uh, insights into everything you're doing. I'm wishing you absolutely nothing but uh, the best of, of luck uh, moving forward, Sharp Rank. Uh, thanks again for joining. Yeah, Mark, th thank you so much for, for uh, having me on. This was really great. And uh, I do make it down to South Florida from time to time, but uh, Delray, Boca area, so not far from Miami. So maybe next time I'm down there, I'll, I'll shoot you shoot you a note. Ah, please do. I just moved here and uh, absolutely loving it. So I uh, would love to have you uh, stop by your office for a glass of wine, a little tour, and uh, yeah, it would definitely be great to catch up. All right, Mark. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye.